Welcome to episode 192 of Keeping Up with the Joneses, where this week we're going to talk about a heart of stone. But first, it's good to see you, Mrs. Jones. Thank you. I've missed sitting opposite you. It's been a while. It's been a while. I know. And as a result, we have a big catch up to do. We do. We didn't have an episode last week. No. Because we weren't here to record it. That's correct. We went to Florida, sunny Florida, with all of the staff from the School of Supernatural Life to say thank you to them for all their hard work last year. Yes. It was so fun. It was five days of glorious rest. Rest. Well, two of those days was driving. Well, yes. But I mean, we got there around four or five in the afternoon on Friday. Plenty of time to go swimming with dolphins. If there was dolphins. There were dolphins in my mind. Great. Okay. Yeah. And then we had three days uh, of just being there, being at the beach, hanging out together, having fun, eating food, I brought my about drone. things. You did. I got lots of beautiful drone photography. Beautiful footage. Or drone videography. Something like that. Um, we kind of glossed past the fact that all of our students actually graduated. We they had, did. We had, we had graduation. This yeah. is what happens when you haven't podcasted in a couple of weeks. Nearly 100 students between year one and year two. Congratulations, guys. We love you. We love you so much. I miss you already. I, I realized on Thursday, this past Thursday, I was like, I just miss them. And, you know, every class I think I fall in love with. And it takes me a while. To adjust. So, I'm adjusting. In other news, we went to see the new Avengers movie. We did. Which we refused to discuss for at least a month. Yes. Until everybody who wants to see us had the opportunity to see it, and then we will discuss. Yes. I guess we can, as long as we say, hey, we're discussing this movie, in case they they haven't seen it yet. Right. Well, you have a month, people. You have a month. And then we started a diet where you eat lots of fat, but you don't get fat. How does that work? Well... I don't fully understand it yet, but we're four or five days in. Are you sure it's not witchcraft? I'm pretty sure. It's uh, called a ketogenic diet. And essentially, you are trying to eat 70 to 80% fat, 20 to 30% protein, and 5 to 10% carbs. So basically, you get to eat steak and chicken and lamb and all that kind of stuff smothered in butter. Uh, but it's got to be like grass-fed, organic, you know, good fats or whatever. And then you uh, can have like green leafy vegetables, you know, kale and uh, what are other ones? Broccoli, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I've been on four days and I've neither eaten broccoli or kale, but I have eaten lots of butter. Butter. Mm. Mm. We're also doing the bulletproof coffee in the morning. But yeah. So this is where you take coffee. You add grass-fed butter to it. And some sort of oil and then blend it. Yeah. And I remember like lots of people have said to me over the years, oh, it's so good. You'll love it. Um, no. You don't love it. I don't understand. Because I'm making it. their Bulletproof Hot Chocolate and I think it's delicious. And we should add it adds intermittent fasting. So the last thing you eat is about 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And then we don't eat again till like 1 p.m. the following day. Yes. But you have a cup of Bulletproof Coffee or in my case, Bulletproof Hot Chocolate first thing in the morning. And it keeps you feeling full all day. It does keep you feeling full. It's just not nice tasting coffee. I don't understand how that is. Is it just that your coffee sucks? Because adding the butter and this oil, all it does is make it frothy and creamy. And oily. I can't taste the oil in it at all. I can taste the oil. Not taste it, but it's the filmy aftertaste. Oh, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. Yuck. 
And then at Grace Center this morning, Jeff Dollar, our fearless leader, began to roll out some exciting things. If you if you like Grace Center, if you know what Grace Center is, it's the church that we attend. And if you're somebody who is interested in what's happening at Grace Center, then I would really encourage you to watch this week's service to see what Jeff is talking about, see if it strikes a passion in your heart. It actually kicks off, I think, four weeks of messages, mm-hmm. which coincide with our Source Conference. So if you're coming for the Source Conference, you may wish to watch this as like an added extra as well. Yeah, it should be very good. Also, yeah, there was the grand opening of Mojo's Taco Shop this week. Mm. So good. It's in the factory. If you haven't been, we highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Yep, it's absolutely delicious. We've been feasting from the taco truck, and now they've got an actual store, which we're very excited about. Yum, yum, yum. Well, our topic this week comes actually from a listener's question. Mm-hmm. And this listener wants to stay anonymous. So mm. I was about to say your name, but I haven't. They write in and they said, hello, I've listened to y'all's podcast for a while now. And I've also been listening to Grace Center sermons on Sunday. And I absolutely love both. I was recently listening to the Grace Center podcast with the SOSL student testimonies from outreach. And I heard a lot about the heart of stone teaching. I've read the verse in the Bible about how God will turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh, but I haven't heard any teaching about it. Could y'all elaborate on what it is about and maybe point me in the right direction to learn a little bit more? Thanks. Well, I'm so glad that you asked, Anonymous, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, which is the heart of stone. Yeah. So the heart of stone, uh, sort of simply put, is a defense mechanism. Ooh. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's not a good thing, but it feels like a necessary thing often when we do it. So it's uh, usually it will trace back to a memory or a set of specific memories where we actually shut down our hearts because of the amount of pain that we're feeling. And we just sort of uh, shut down all emotion in order to survive whatever the event is at the time. And what we end up doing is creating something called a heart of stone. Which is just a deadening of emotions, really. Yes. And it becomes somewhat like if you have a picture of you building up a, a stone wall around you, so that pain can't get through. That's kind of what happens. You just It's this defense mechanism that you build where you just harden your heart so you don't feel pain anymore. Right. And it's really effective at keeping pain out. Yes, it is effective. But at some point, that pain will resurface. Yeah, pain has a habit of doing that. Yeah. So it's usually a temporary fix uh, that helps you get out of a certain situation. But if we don't actually realize we're doing it, we don't realize, oh my gosh, I'm shutting down my heart right now. I'm actually not even allowing the Lord to minister to me. I'm not getting help with this. Then you can end up years down the road. Right. And all of a sudden things are exploding around you as bombs go off in your heart. And you have no idea that this actually dates back to years before when to survive an event, we shut down our hearts. The other funny thing is, I mean, this is not funny, but the other interesting thing about Heart Stone is while it is effective at keeping pain out, it's also keeping inadvertently the love of God out. Yes. Because the same area where your heart is alive and can feel owies and pain is the same area where your heart can feel loved and cared for. Mm-hmm. So people with hearts of stone, it depends on the culture you come from, but people with hearts of stone are often really applauded because you know they can just power through they're 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 not they're not swayed by all these feelings they can just get things done and they tend they to have, may be even annoyed at other people having feelings <laughs> <laughs> they, t- they tend to have a very low 
need for need. They yes. make great, great pastors because they can just shut down and power through. Now, I say I say all that with a bit of a you know tongue in cheek, but I remember being in revival meetings where everybody else is getting touched by the Lord. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I feel the presence of God? And it's like, oh, you've spent years perfecting hardening your heart. And that's why <laughs> you can't feel the love of God. And here you are with your thing that you tried to perfect. So how do you know if you've got a heart of stone? Well, there's actually a heart of stone checklist. It's funny you should say that because I've just pulled it up on my laptop. You did? Well, it's just the cheeriest list ever. I think we should read it. <laughs> it's like one of those things of, um, you may have a heart of stone if. Right. I remember the first time I heard the checklist. Well, I remember the first time I heard the uh, the teaching and I was like, oh, those poor people with hearts of stone, you know, ne- never assuming it would be me. Right. Until we read the checklist and then I was like, oh no, well, I'm the poor people. <laughs> when I read the checklist, I was like, no, isn't this like a really mature person? This can't be somebody that has a heart of stone. This sounds like, like a good type of person. Yes, we want, we want that person. So people with a heart of stone often keep people at a distance. Yes. Protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Keep up a good front, but have trouble being real. Yep. Are unable to show their emotions. Yes. Are used to keeping it all together. Yes. Have the role of the strong one. Keeping it all together is otherwise known as performing. Or stiff upper lip for all our British listeners. Yes, lovely. (laughs) Find it difficult to ask for help. Now, isn't that just the trait of every man? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, Whoa. judgment's much. Oh, I just realized you said help and I meant directions. (laughs) You know how they say men don't ask for directions? The reason we don't need to ask for directions is we're the ones using our GPS. You're the one that refuses to use Siri. (laughs) I digress. Yes. Uh, People with a heart of stone often can minister to others, but can't be ministered to. Ah. How about this one? Wish other people could keep it all together like they do. Yes. I have had several events in my life where I have been to movies. Tell, Tell the one about Titanic. So I went to go and see Titanic with our youth group. So this is... I mean, how long ago did Titanic come out? I don't even know. A long time ago. And I, at one point in the movie, I looked down, there's like 18 people in our row and everybody's crying. And I yelled down the row and it was a full theater. Oh, get it together, would you? It's a movie. <laughs> I think you actually said, oh, suck it up. Well, it's true. a movie. I did. I said, oh, suck it up. And then lastly, People with a heart of stone find it difficult to receive love. They look down on those who express emotions as being weak or immature. Mm -hmm. And then have difficulty with intimacy, but may not realize it. Yes. Often because intimacy isn't something that's desired or isn't aware aware of need if you've spent years shutting down your heart. Yeah. Well, because intimacy would be something that would then crack open that pain. So you can't long for intimacy and keep a heart of stone. Right. Would you like a couple of testimonies? Sure. So I remember that there was a new boy in our school when I was in primary school, which is elementary school for um, North American listeners. There was a new boy that joined our school. His name was Scott McGookin. There's a good, there's a good Scottish Scott name for you. Scott McGookin. Can you say that with a Scottish accent? I just did. Scott McGookin. Well, no, it sounds still kind of American. Oh. Give um, it your best Scottish accent. 
No, because then I'll sound like you. <laughs> what are you talking about? When, when you try Scott to... McEwkin. <laughs> that's how you say it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid sounding like. <laughs> it's okay. I'll translate for all of the Scottish people that are listening. It may be the last time you listen, but I'll translate for you. Okay, so I remember a new boy. Right. Scott McEwkin. Joined the school and... Uh, as was want to do, I've been taught that, you know, you must be Jesus to everyone. And I had this huge heart of compassion thinking, this poor boy, he doesn't know anybody. And if I was in his shoes, I'd want a friend, so I'll be his friend. We we, we haven't talked about the victim triangle yet on the podcast. <laughs> Next week. Maybe. But that Next was me week. being a rescuer. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll be his friend. And then that will make him happy. And, and I remember thinking, how manipulative is this? I remember thinking, if I tell him something super secret, then he'll feel like he's really trusted and our friendship bond will grow. I remember thinking that at a very early age. How old are you at this point? Uh, I don't know, like maybe like seven or eight. So the trouble is when you're seven or eight, you don't really have anything that requires tremendous trust. So I made up something. So <laughs> I, told, I told him a made up secret. This yeah. gives you huge insight into seven-year-old Alan, doesn't mm-hmm. it? There's already lots of control and manipulation going on. But I'm thinking, I'll tell him that I hate it when people call me big ears. Like, that, that, this is the secret. Now, the thing is, nobody ever called me big ears. No, because you have sweet little ears. <laughs> I know, but I just thought this would be really vulnerable of me. We're forming a bond. He's okay. getting trusted. This is yeah. like his first day at school. Yeah. So I tell him, Scott, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody before. I hate it when people call me big ears. And rather than Scott going, man, I feel so bonded with this band of brothers, he used that information against me to leverage new friends <laughs> by, by telling everyone in the class, Jonesy hates it when you call him big ears, so they all started calling me big ears. And I went home really upset. Not, yes. not that people were calling me big ears, but that he used my magnificent friendship technique against me. So... So, thanks for laughing at my core pain. I'm so sorry. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. But basically, what that wrote on my heart was, Mm -hmm. it's not worth risking connection because you'll only be rejected. Right? So, I'm just not going to open my heart anymore. Screw that guy. He's dead to me. Right. And so, what happened, the fruit of that is, over the years until I heard this teaching was, I failed to make friendships with any depth because I thought, you're just waiting to screw me over. I, I know how this works. You you and Scott McGookin are in it together. And so that, that was my heart stone. I'm just going to, you know, when I meet people, I'm just going to keep them at arm's length. No, I'm good. This far you may come and no more. And I certainly will not open my heart in vulnerability. So have you forgiven him or do you want me to lead you through a prayer? <laughs> I forgive. I forgive. Scott McGookin. <laughs> No, I, this was one of the things I, I, I prayed through in Toronto, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. Do you have one? Well, I have I have a thing where I didn't realize it was a heart of stone at the time, but I was, um, I, I've told this story on the podcast before, but it was after my first husband, husband it was after my first husband had left. Yep. And I mean, many years after he had left and actually right before I met you. So probably eight years after he left. And um, I was on this beach in Prince Edward Island, which was beautiful. And I was having a time with the Lord and the Lord showed me this wall that I had built around my life. And, 
you know, he said when, you know, he said when your first husband left, I mean, he called him by name cause he knew his name, but I'm, I'm not saying it on the podcast, obviously. Uh, he said, when your when your first husband left, he said, you built a wall so hard and so fast because you just didn't think you could survive another loss. Right. And he said, the problem is you've kept all of us out. And he showed me myself in like the turret of a castle. Wow. Surrounded by stones, literally. Surrounded by stones. Um, But I didn't leave myself a door or a window or anything to get out. And I built it up and it was way, way above my head. Like there was no way of getting out of this thing. And so the Lord showed me that. And I I knew at that point, I was like, oh, wow, I've, I've formed a heart of stone. So, um, you know, the Lord in his kindness, of course, also shows you the way out of those things. Right. He's so good. Yeah. Imagine if you hadn't repented of building that heart of stone and then I met you. Well, I literally met you for the first time a week later. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Imagine you hadn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have. You would have been blinded to this glory. Right. The body of a Greek God and, you know, all that. I I mean, I would have, I would have missed it all. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad you prayed through that. I remember being You're welcome. <laughs> a, I remember being a little boy and I remember coming home from I guess preschool. It was probably nursery. Nursery in Scotland, preschool in North America. And we were doing the story of the Emperor Wears No Clothes. Remember is that actually what it's called? The Emperor's New was Clothes. Was this just an excuse so that everybody runs around naked? I, w- I wasn't homeschooled in Canada. <laughs> And so I had to draw something from this this book, you know, where the emperor's naked, but he's so arrogant and vain that everyone's telling him he looks amazing in his suit. You know the story? Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah. So I draw it. I draw basically a picture of the king on his big parade, and I was very impressed because I'd drawn him naked. And I run home, as little kids are wont to do, to show my mommy and daddy. And when I showed my dad the picture, <laughs> he pointed to my correctly anatomically drawn king (laughs) it's not what you're thinking and uh, my dad pointed to the nipples that i had drawn i'd drawn two little nipples on this king and my dad just in jovial jest said well what are those but i misinterpreted what he was asking i interpreted it as i'd done something wrong felt tremendous shame and i remember kind of leaving the room my face flush and going to my room and i remember coaching myself you never show anybody your achievements again Never let anybody see your achievements. And that, you know, that was my heart of stone developing in, in that little thing where I'd, I'd learned a lesson. I'm closing down my heart. I no longer want to be seen for any achievements in case I'm rejected. Yeah. And that's really difficult because when you grow up and, and God has a heart to actually honor you and uh, display you to the world for his, for his glory, you're dying inside because you don't want anybody to see what you've done for fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. So that was another fun thing that has been dealt with over the years. So now I get to enjoy being me. I now get to enjoy being celebrated. Now I get to enjoy being being loved, which I couldn't do before. It right. Was just this this barrier. Yeah. I think sometimes too you'll you'll have a heart of stone in a certain area. Right. So it you might not be seeing evidence of a heart of stone in every area of your life. You might have some really healthy relationships. You might have some things that are going really well, but then there's spots where you just hit this toughness. Right. It's that your heart is stony rather than completely turned to stone. Right. In Matthew 22, verse 37, the very famous verse, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You've got a couple of problems there. If not all of your heart is online, you can't actually love the Lord your God with all of it. If there's stony parts of it. Yeah. If there's areas where you're like, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to manage this part of my heart. It's secure. I've got some barbed wire around this bad boy. I'm good. <laughs> Lord's like, ah, actually, that's a, that's a part I want to be able to love. And if that is a stony heart, you can't love yourself well, which means everybody around you suffers. Yeah. And then there's the really famous verse that our anonymous listener was referring to. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 is this. It's the promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so the promise is life in the Holy Spirit is a soft, tender, lush heart, this heart of flesh that can feel the love of God, that can feel the love of other people. And is never designed to be hardened. But uh, unfortunately, when we face pain or when we face crisis, because the heart is a slow learner, rather than bringing that pain to the Lord to say, Lord, I have an owie that, that stung, we tend to harden our heart and keep people out, which is not the look we're going for this season. And what's so wonderful about that verse is he says, I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Right. So it's literally just being able to go, okay, Father, I recognize when, you know, Alan read that list or you may have heard this teaching before. I recognize that I have a heart of stone or I have stony parts of my heart right. where I am my sole protector of that area. And your promise is that you'll give me a heart of flesh. And mm. so I'm giving you permission to begin that process. And, you know, sometimes it's in an instant and sometimes he wants to talk to you about some stuff and unravel some stuff that your heart has believed or your heart has learned. Um, but he promises to do it. So to me, that's like a huge encouragement because otherwise you hear a teaching like this or you hear a discussion like this and you go, wow, like, Oh, I have this thing and now there's no way out. Mm -hmm. It's not that there's no way out. There's absolutely a way out. It's asking the father to come in. Right. So what do you do? If you're recognizing, oh, wait, I have some of the fruits of a stony heart, what does somebody who's listening to this do to actually access the heart of flesh that the Lord's already given them? Well, I think you start by just saying, okay, Lord, I acknowledge that it's there and start to have a conversation with God about why it's there. Lord, could you show me when this started forming? Because usually it's when you're fairly young. Right. That, Although not always, in both our examples we gave yeah. when we were older. Yeah. Um, and just start to have a discussion about, okay, Lord, like, you know, in the midst of that situation, who can you forgive? Where did you take control, right. i.e. decide you were going to protect your own heart? And then, and then reverse that decision, right? So, Father, I recognize that I tried to take control in this moment and protect my heart because it was just so painful. But I'd, I'd actually like to give this to you and trust that you're going to bring healing, that you will protect my heart, you know, that you can work through this situation. And it might be that he highlights several situations to you. It might just be one. Um, but you just invite the Holy Spirit into the process and have a discussion with him about what he wants to talk to you about that that area. Yeah, and usually it goes by identifying that you have a heart of stone asking the Lord for revelation from where you got it. And it was usually a hurt. So you repent of making that choice to harden your heart. Typically, you have to forgive the person that hurt you. And then usually it's just saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to choose to take down this this stony area of my heart. And then the fun begins because you get to walk out in life 
and asking the Holy Spirit to teach you a new pattern, not where you retreat or pull away, but where you actually keep being vulnerable and staying connected in relationships, even if they get a little bit rocky. Yeah. I also think sometimes it's helpful, and I don't think all the time, but sometimes I ask the Lord, can you show me what this robbed from me? Ooh. Because I think sometimes we don't realize that the way that we chose to live life after a hurtful episode actually has created an entire scenario that didn't need to be there. And so if we can actually have the courage to say, Father, would you show me what this, having a heart of stone in this area has robbed from me, then you can actually do a little work with the Lord on that too. It's a great motivator. Yeah. It also says in the scriptures, if you catch a thief, he has to pay you sevenfold. Yeah. So there is something about seeing what was stolen from you and going, hey, I want that back. And that's another way to get abundance in your life. Yeah. So there you go. That's our brief introduction to A Heart of Stone. I hope that was helpful. Anonymous question asker. And if you have any more questions about that, please feel free to ask us by going to alanandaj.com slash ask. Given that we're on a roll of yeah. answering questions, yeah. Rebecca wrote in and she asked us this. Well, first of all, I love this. She said, Alan AJ, you're my cleanup dishes and car ride companion. So thank you. <laughs> it's so funny because that's exactly when I listen to podcasts, when I'm doing the dishes or when I'm in the car on my own because you don't like the podcast I listen to. No, because you listen to people with nasally voices who you, hey. you listen to it on like a speed that is not natural. Okay. It's not natural. Okay, enough. Enough <laughs> with the Scottish accent. So Rebecca asked this question. She said, three years ago, God gave me a picture of my husband, who was then a teacher, doing something completely different, told me it would be three years, and I started hearing and seeing the word Nashville everywhere. I kept that quiet and stewarded it until the Lord eventually released me to tell my husband about it. This year, my husband had no peace about renewing his teaching contract, and we find ourselves on a new adventure as he moves on to something new. The funny thing, we're at three years. These last few months, the Lord has spoken to him about the same things that God spoke to me about three years ago. My question is this, why does God seem to communicate things to me first? I've heard it said... It's so the woman can keep peace in the home for the children, but I'm not sure about this. That's not it. Can you give insight into God's timing of telling one partner first? Thanks for your weekly encouragement. I love listening to the banter, wisdom, and teaching you guys share. Keep it up. So, we have a very similar dynamic in our marriage. Yep. That more often than not, God tends to tell you things before he tends to tell me. Though There have been rare occasions when that's been the opposite. Right. But the question still stands, why is it that God tells one partner of the relationship before another? Gosh, I don't even know if I know that. I would say maybe it depends on whose heart would be most open to hearing it at that time. Right. So I would say in most of the ones where I've heard first, I'm probably also asking first uh, where you're, you're, you in those seasons were more sort of bogged down isn't the right word, but... Focused. Focused on what happened to hap- what needed to happen today. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think also sometimes you've needed more time to process so you get a head start on it. Oh, I need way more time to process. If God says go, you'll just be like, Go, yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, so So he's kind to your contemplator he, and gives you a yes. couple of years head start to process yeah. it and adjust your heart. But sometimes it's the reverse. Like God had told you about moving house way before he told me. Yeah. So, and I think part of that was so you could pray and just intercede. Yeah. 
And but, but what I loved is you never put pressure on me. You never told me oh, I've been thinking about this for forever. No. So that when the Lord, but if you think about it, the the I mean, the Lord just told me one night as I was going to bed. I mean, to this day, I assume it was the Lord. Was like, now is a good time to sell your house. Imagine if you hadn't had that warning. Right. And as I wake up in the morning, I go, hey, last night as I went to bed, I think the Lord told me we should sell our house. So uh, yeah, I'd be in trouble. I'm going to put it in the market. So in His kindness, He He tells you in advance. Yes. I think sometimes it's about about confirmation too. Yeah. So Rebecca, imagine the Lord hadn't told you that. And one day your husband comes home and just says, eh, I think I'm going to just ditch this whole teaching thing. You know, the whole thing I went to school for and is my professional trade. And this seems a bit random, but I think I'm moving to Nashville. Like, it's nice that you got a heads up on that so yeah. that you could prepare your heart for that moving. I don't know if there's a, a solid, I, there's probably like hundreds of different reasons why God would do that. But we can't just say that women are awesome and that's why. Well, the thing is, women are awesome, but <laughs> I'm not sure that's... It's a, not always the women that hear first, though. Well, I but, was just being funny. No, but women are awesome. That's a point that needs to be it's true. reinforced. It's true. Well, I think what I love about our relationship is we are both leading our marriage together. We're both leading our family. Sometimes you get the revelation, sometimes I get the revelation, but whatever we do, we, we don't move until both of us have peace about it. So Yeah. I guess what we're saying, Rebecca, is we don't really know, but we love your story because we can relate to it hugely. Mm. And it sounds like you were really wise that you you didn't. I've seen horrible manipulation in marriages where people yes. are like, but I heard the Lord say, and I'm like, yeah, you may well have, but let every matter be established by two or three witnesses. Yeah. So Probably just write it them. down, date it, write it down in your journal, and then leave it alone. Good. Yeah. All right. Anything in our closing thoughts, A.G. Jones? Well, I did have the thought of, I'm not sure if we have mentioned in the last couple of weeks that the school uh, applications to the school will be closing on June 15th. Hold the phone. We have not said that. Yeah. So if you are praying about or thinking about joining us for the School of Supernatural Life, either year one or coming back and doing year two with us, um, your applications uh, need to be complete, including all of your references and everything by June 15th. And every year we get people who are like, oh, I missed the deadline. Please don't be one of those people. Yeah, because then you have to wait till next year. Right. Yeah. So June 15th is your deadline. It's fast approaching. If you're thinking about doing it, now is a great time to pray. Ask the Lord for some confirmations and take a step out and start the application process. Yes. We also have our source conference coming up in a couple of weeks. It's going to be at Grace Center. It's all about how to steward the presence of God in your everyday life, whether you're a mom or a dad, or whether you're a business person, whether you're a leader, or just you're wondering, how, how does the presence of God follow me from Sunday into my normal everyday life in terms of organization or health? This is the conference for you. We're super excited about it. All of the speakers at the conference are members of Grace Center. They're experts in their field. And it's going to be a very short workshop style with plenty of opportunity to ask questions. We'd love you to come join us. And if you do, if you're an out-of-town guest, please come up and say hi to uh, AJ and I. We'd, we'd love it when we get to meet people. And uh, Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, it's great. So yeah. please don't be shy. Come up. We're very friendly, usually. We like to think we are. Yeah. <laughs> we hope we are. Depends when I last ate. But, that's uh, probably true, yeah. But you can find more information about that at gracecenter.us slash source. And as always, we'll put everything we've talked about this week in the show notes. Hey, I just thought of something great. 
if you're coming up to meet us for the first time and you're not sure if we're hungry, just come bringing a snack. <laughs> but make sure it's a ketogenic <laughs> snack, okay? So high in fat, moderate in protein, really low that. in carbohydrates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. No. Just come and say hi. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. It's great to be back. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone. 